You know, misunderstandings happen all the time, don't they? I mean, I, we have misunderstandings that take place and it creates conflict and things between people and couples and families and all. There was a wife that uh, had to work a little bit late one night, so she let her husband know and she worked late and whatever and trying to, you know, be you know, good and respectful and all. She comes sneaking in the front door and being very quiet, didn't want to wake anybody up or whatever. And, you know, it's just been a long day. She put in extra hours and she goes up to her bedroom and she's just, you know, exhausted. So she goes in the bedroom and closes the door very quietly and, and she sees from under the blanket, she sees four legs instead of just her husband's two. Well, she gets quite upset, and she grabs a baseball bat and starts beating, beating on the blanket, and and then she's finally at her wit's end, and she, she puts the, the baseball bat down, and she goes downstairs and is going to collect herself and get something to drink out of the kitchen. And So she walks into the kitchen, and she sees her husband there reading a newspaper. And he says, oh, hi, hon, I hope your night was good. Your parents came to visit us, and so, so I let them stay in our room. Did you say hello? <laughs> I love that joke. Anyway, it just kind of emphasizes the way that things can get misconstrued sometimes. You know, misunderstandings happen all the time, and they are a tremendous problem. You know, not only in our, our daily lives, but also in our spiritual journeys also. Misunderstandings usually are not intentional, of course, uh, but they're usually based on some misinformation. Uh, they're based on assumptions sometimes, or, or this acting first and thinking later. There are a lot of different things that can contribute to the misunderstandings in our lives. You know, as a pastor, I do a fair amount of, of counseling and talking with people. And a lot of times the problems that we encounter and that we talk about are based on misunderstandings uh, of one of the individual's views. You know, because of some issues that maybe are not well known, you know, it kind of exacerbates the thing. You know, maybe there's been some past abuse or... There's been some addictions or some other family situations that kind of make it a little bit worse. And it makes the assumptions, it makes the misunderstandings that much worse. Well, here's, here's the deal. Putting, this, putting all of the misunderstandings and everything aside, one of these days each one of us is going to stand before God and we're going to give a full account of all of the things that we've done in our life. You know, the decisions we've made, the things we chose to do, the things we chose not to do, uh, the attitudes of our hearts, all of those things, we will stand before God and we will give him an account of all of those issues and all of those things. It would be, at that point, too late to address any misunderstandings that we had between us and between God. Well... How sad it would be, I think, to be at that point, to have breathed our, our last breath here in this life, and stand before God, and realize that there's a misunderstanding. 
Well, Jesus talks about this type of an issue uh, in the book of Luke in chapter 13. And I'm going to ask you to read that on your own a little bit later. It's from the book of Luke, and it's in chapter 13. <clears throat> he went on his way through the towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are few be saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, well, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from, so depart from me, you workers of evil. You know, again, what a super sad situation. Think about it. To, to be denied entrance into the kingdom of God, being told to go away, because of a simple misunderstanding. You know, Jesus was saying that, you know, you might have been there. You might have heard me preaching or teaching. You might have known of me. Uh, maybe you even followed me as a disciple for a while. But you let other things take away from our relationship. That, that relationship is supposed to be based on trust and on faith, but you let things like your own understanding and your own expectations of what you expected get in the way of building that relationship based on faith and trust. You know, what you believed, you, you wasted time. You wasted time believing in things that were not true. Jesus says, I'm the truth, the way, and the life. Believe in me and trust in the things that I say. You know, in this scripture, a very basic point or basic question is posed to Jesus. And he says, are only a few people going to be saved? You know, this is one of those questions that as a Christian, you know, in our journey of faith, at some point in our life, it, we have we all ask this question. You know, how many people? What? Who's going to be saved? And Jesus's answer kind of makes it into an individual question when he talks about striving. He's really saying, "Are you saved? Don't worry about everybody else." He's saying, "Don't worry about everybody else. You just worry about you." And it brings forth the ultimate question for all of us. As, regardless of where we are in our journey of faith. And the question is, can I, can me, me, can I be saved? Well, to be saved, Jesus says you have to strive to enter through the narrow doorway because everything is set in its place. Everything is set in stone. He says to strive toward that relationship that will save you. Well, part of what we need to learn here is, is 
through the original Greek word that was used for striving or to strive. It's, it's a word that represents agony through trying to accomplish something. It was used in the context of an athlete in the Olympic Games to strive and to push through the pain or the discomfort in order to accomplish the goal that you have set before you. Jesus is talking here about the way to salvation, can't even talk, the way to salvation being set in stone. It's about Jesus being the way and the truth and the life and trusting in what he says and where he's leading and where he's guiding. Don't let anything hinder that is what he's saying. Because if you do, you run the risk of being on the outskirts. You know, a lot of people come to the door, so to speak, or come to Jesus, but then they turn away. They turn away because what he's teaching is too difficult. Or it's too hard of a concept to understand. Or they feel like it's going to cost them too much personally. You know, one of the most common understand, understand, misunderstandings that I run into in my, as a pastor is people believe that they don't need to strive. They believe that, you know, well, God's going to do all the work for me. All I have to do is check the box that says, yes, I accept you know, we self-judge that you and I, are, that we're in a great place. You know, we can live our life, and at the end of our life, it's kind of, you know, a deal where, poo, you know, it's automatic because that's what I've determined. Can you imagine, can you imagine knocking on the door, expecting to be ushered into paradise, only to have Jesus from the other side say, sorry, you and I never had a really deep and personal relationship. You refuse to put your trust in me. And you refuse to accept my teachings because you felt that they were too hard or they would cost you too much in your personal life just to follow me. In short, you trusted me, but only within your own comfort zone. You never stepped out of the boat. When Jesus says to strive, he's talking about, under his terms, not ours. Now, again, striving doesn't mean that you, you know, do all kinds of good works to earn your way into heaven and all. That's not it at all. The story here represents the person that misunderstands their relationship with God, but it's not too late. If you strive, if you work hard, if you, if you ask God through prayer and petition to open your heart to a deeper and a more, you know, just an overall understanding of what the teachings of Scripture are and that how that applies to our relationship with God, if we're open to that, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about you got to be open to everything that I'm bringing to the forefront here for you. Because my plans for you are good and they're to prosper you and to give you a great life. You know, bottom line, the plan is to get you back into paradise where you were supposed to be in the first place. Again, the scripture tells us, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. That, to me, is the ultimate disappointment. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, 
the door being Jesus, you know, the door being Jesus, the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him, he tells us. And you begin to stand outside at the door and knock, saying, Lord, open to this. Open to us, and then he will answer you. I don't know where you come from. And then you'll begin to say things like, well, don't you remember, you know, we ate, we drank with you, and, and you know, we, we were watching you and listening to you teaching in the streets. And, and he's going to say, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know where you come from. What he's saying is, I never had your heart. I never had your heart. You were maybe curious or you were maybe interested at some point in time and you were willing to follow and, and to believe and all that. But, you know, when the, when the going got tough, you, you just got going. You never stuck around. You never put your faith and hope and trust in who I am. That's what he's saying here. You know, we all remember the stories in Scripture, the various different places where it talks about how Jesus was traveling around and and he was preaching and and he he continually was asking people to follow him to be a disciple to 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 put down you know what you're doing and follow me you know as he told some of the disciples I'll I'll make you fishers of men not just fishers of fish you know but follow me and I'll make you fishers of men unfortunately scripture tells us that most of those people that started to follow Jesus turned away. And they turned away because, again, they weren't ready to offer Jesus their heart, their will, their understanding of things. They weren't ready to offer Jesus their commitment when they didn't see what the outcome was going to be. You see, that's, that's, that's what makes the difference between someone that is saved and someone that wants to be saved is that commitment that you're going to trust. I mean, he doesn't ask for perfect trust. He doesn't ask for perfect understanding. None of us will have any of that this side of heaven. He simply asks us, will you trust me? And will you, will you trust me to the point that you'll continue on this journey of faith, even though it doesn't make sense, even though maybe it, it's something you don't like, you know, even though it's just beyond your, your human comprehension? Will you trust me and will you follow me? Remember that all of those people that Jesus called, you know, most of them left. And there was one point where Jesus looked at the 12 disciples and said, Are you guys going to leave too? Well, I think it was Peter that said, where are we going to go? Well, you know, nobody else has the words of life that you do. So they, they were at the point to where, yeah, they missed a lot of what Jesus was talking about. They missed a lot of, you know, the, the why Jesus was doing certain things and not other things and why he was going, where he was going and where, you know, and preaching and all that. They missed a lot of that, but their hearts were open and devoted to him. That is a milestone. That is the thing that really sets people apart in their journey of faith. You know, the season of Lent is one that's based on introspection. It's based on you and I taking a hard, cold look at who we are and who Jesus is, who God the Father is, who the Holy Spirit is, and look at our relationship. Look and see, are we on the right pathway? Are we growing in that relationship, 
or is it deteriorating? Are we finding that it's better to trust in Jesus than ourselves, or are we still, you know, I don't know if I can believe in something unless I can comprehend what it's all about. Because you know what? This journey of faith, you'll never, we'll never completely understand it. It's always going to come full circle back to, will you trust me or will you not? It's hard because today in our culture, we have so many things that we think are owed to us. You know, there's all of these inalienable rights. You know, we have the right to freedom of speech. We have the right to, you know, clean drinking water and health care and, and education and all of those things. Many people believe that they're simply entitled, you know, to a place in the kingdom of heaven. You know, I'm not a bank robber. I don't, you know, do horrible things and end me up in jail. And, you know, because of that, I, I should be good. Jesus, the story that he's telling today, gets right down to the nitty gritty, the heart. You can do all the right things. You can stay away from doing the wrong things. But if you don't trust me, if you don't really, really trust me there's really no relationship you may fool yourself into thinking that there is but there's really not you know put it in the context of of some of your own personal relationships you know a spouse or your children uh, or maybe somebody even you work for or, or a good good friend or whatever if you don't trust the other individual other individual what does that do to your relationship makes it very difficult very very difficult you got to be able to you know if you want to grow intimately closer with somebody man you got to trust them what would my relationship look like with my 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 wife if i didn't trust her what would it look like if she didn't trust me you know that's the key the point that jesus is trying to to dive into here that so many people misunderstand and that is, I want your heart. I don't want just the good things. I just don't want all the activities and all of that. No. I need your heart. A heart of devotion, a heart of dedication, and a heart of submission. you got to turn your will, your understanding of things, over to me so that I can lead you home. So my hope and my prayer for you during this week of Lent is that you'll continue to think about the things that we've just briefly talked about today. Think about our relationship with God. Think about what it is that you honestly believe and the things that you struggle with. And if there are things that, you know, are, are a huge struggle for you and, and believing, offer them to God. You're not, you're not going to surprise him. He already knows anyway. But offer your best to God in total honesty. And I know he'll be there for you. Tough Questions for God is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church, where we challenge our faith with some of the most difficult issues. Tough Questions for God is available on Facebook Live, Sundays at 1130 a.m., or go on our website, 
at toughquestionsforgod.org and just follow the links on the homepage for YouTube or via podcast. Thanks for joining and don't forget to like and share. God bless.